Welcome back to another episode of Soma Soulworks. Where do faith and art meet? What does it mean to be made in God's image, knowing his nature as a creator? This podcast is an open-ended wrestling with God at the seam of Christianity and creativity as artisans working in the world of arts and entertainment. Okay, so this is a, uh, we'll call this the second episode um, in the uh, Achievement Guide for Redemptive Game Developers. Uh, here we have uh, Brandon, we have Mark, we have Neil and Chris, and James is here on the side. Thank you, James. Um, we are discussing the different topics in this document, which probably won't be released uh, basically on our website for another couple of months, but you can, you'll can you get a, a preview here. I want to start with just the tutorial uh, section of this. I'm going to read kind of where it comes from, and then we're going to move into one of the topics. So... Uh, the document reads, our most significant identity is not as developers or designers or programmers, or artists, or any of the other titles that goes in our credits because we are much more. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We are members of God's household. We are sons and daughters of a loving father. We are immortal. We are also living, breathing parts of human households, companies, and churches. We are the salt and light to cities, states, and nations. We are hillborn beacons to countless hungry, thirsty, and searching souls, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made in flesh and blood. The narrow road for us is no different than as game creators as it is for any other men or women. Christ's invitation to follow him is the same. We love. With all of our heart, mind, and strength, we love. We repent, we lean in, and we believe. So that's kind of the setting of where we're trying to come from. Everything else has to has to run through that. And so with that in mind, um, the whole idea of the Achievement Guide is an invitation. It's an invitation to like try to level up in some really hard things um, as opposed to like wag your finger, um, you know, that, that, being bad about anything else. So uh, I want to start this session with the uh, with the topic of connection over isolation. And uh, so the, the little summary here says, instead of individualism and isolation facilitated and encouraged by screens and controllers, we practice the presence of others, IRL, with a special effort to share space with those who are not part of our daily work. We pursue diversity across class, gender, and ethnicity in our friendships, partnerships, and mentoring relationships. Okay, that's the framework that we're talking about. Probably one of the complaints that we hear the most about gaming is how much kids, uh, or adults for that matter, are sort of isolated on their controllers and not, uh, not interacting with their friends, right? And so they mm. just become kind of isolated. Um, there's always the criticism of escapism, yeah. right? Just sort of disappearing into these into these things, mm-hmm. um, which of course um, Jane McGonigal in her, her famous book Reality's Broken that kind of speaks to this whole this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like the reason that I, I pulled this one out is I think that that risk and temptation is very real just to disappear into into these fake worlds. Um, and as McGonagall would say, like, sometimes always because that world's better than yours. Like, mm. this isn't all sin. Like, if your world really sucks and you're totally disempowered and there's, you know, for all kinds of reasons, the idea that that virtual world is literally better than yours, maybe that's understandable at the very least. Mm. Uh, nevertheless, I believe in the value of community, right? I believe in, like, it's part of the word soma is the body. Mm. So, so why is this a temptation? If it is, why should we strive to do otherwise? I think, yeah, I think there's two things. I think there's and there's no risk mm. and there's <laughs> there's quick achievement. Mm. Yeah. Two things that you don't get in real life. <laughs> Man, I haven't thought about quick achievement. Mm. Yeah. yeah, instant reward. Mm. Let's just stop the podcast right <laughs> now. We're done, mic yeah. drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really something to chew on. In games, you don't risk, you respawn. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't get that in life. 
<laughs> you step out and get hit by a bus, um, <laughs> you'll, you'll respawn somewhere on the other side, <laughs> it's right? It's game over. Uh, but yeah, nobody else will, will be able to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and then achievement, you know. Um, Brandon and I working on a on the cooking game, you know, and how do we, you know, how do we make knife cutting fun? You know, well, Brandon's just like, let's put little multipliers on everything you do yeah, right as you're, as you're as you're jeweling and making batons or cubes and whatever and it's just like two times four times six times so it's just it's just fun stuff like that chain so. bonus yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. that but, feedback is really rewarding right it is it is the and instant yeah and a lot of times we don't we don't get that um in such succession and or variety or consistency in our real life so it's it's understandable yeah why there's that escapism it's like the condensed down version of the cool moments we get in life mm -hmm. but it's all condensed into one short experience like oh this is super fun because i'm getting all the positives only there's very little negatives um the way yeah. the games are designed it's 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 a bunch of positives a bunch of things that basically like oh this is cool oh yay you know and you're getting the reward loops. reward loops over and over and over and in real life, eh, slightly longer before each reward. Well, Brandon, you're a designer. I mean, reward loops are important to you, aren't they? I mean, humans don't do anything without rewards. <laughs> like, that's, that's, I mean, you're not necessarily a stick kind I mean, of guy. I mean, game design like is essentially <laughs> just understanding how humans are motivated, really, like, <laughs> and applying that to like a digital medium. <laughs> so um, I will say like, it feels like the escapism component of this medium Right now is the highest oh, return because of where we are with like the coronavirus and just yeah. the real world people are in right now. Like people are, you want to get away from it. <laughs> you know, you need a break from it. It's mm -hmm. oppressive. It's, you know, it's pervasive. And so I, that's why you see gaming right now and all the numbers are so high. Yeah. Because yeah. people want to escape. Yeah. Like, well, they can't escape to the movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, oh you gosh. physically can't escape, right? But also, it's this mental escape. Yeah, well, like, absolutely. I get tired of, like, what's going on outside. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think that's the biggest motivator right now. Go VR. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been telling people, like, when the WHO tells people, while you're in quarantine, you should play video games, right? Like, oh this is the official proclamation of the World Health Organization. I'm like, wow, that's good for our business. But, yeah. yeah. But it really says something about the world. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden, I'm, all I can think about is Ready Player One, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's no value in the real world, so we're just all virtual because it's the only thing that's interesting. Mm. I would, I would love to see like the metrics, but I, I feel like games that have a social component, like True. where I'm meeting with, even though I'm escaping, I still see people playing a lot of like social games. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna do this experience together. You're over there, I'm here, but mm -hmm. we can still connect. Yeah. yeah. Um, as opposed to like a purely like single player experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at my kids and like yeah. they're playing games for Yeah. They're with somebody else. So. Well, once the industry yeah. started bringing in that social component to gaming, um, words with friends, Fortnite, you know, all of these multiplayer types of, mm -hmm. of you know, they most games would still have their story mode or their campaign mode, but then there was the the online mode where you can join with friends and whatever and which is really interesting because that was that was the the real crux of when we started to see a lot of female players starting to enter into mm -hmm. the gaming arena. Because now there was something that, you know, was kind of more intrinsically appealing to them. Because they're socially in, more engaging than guys are, you know. Um, I'm stereotyping, of course, and generalizing. 
I apologize if I'm offending. My <laughs> my PC sucks, so James is probably gonna have to edit some things out. But anyways, um, so that's that's something that's that's very interesting as well. Yeah, there was something you said earlier that really caught my mind is the the way that games give you information and feedback that we don't have in life. So as an example, mm -hmm. uh, there's this relationship kind of mini strata going on in the scout, right? So like this person likes me, they trust me, whatever. Um, if my I, I wish I had a little screen that I could pop up <laughs> on my wife, right? Like, what's going on here? And if I if I do this, whatever, right? Like, am I going to get a star, right? And so that kind of feedback is so desirable because the rest of the world is so mysterious. It's so freaking hard mm -hmm. in relationships in particular. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and think about all the vulnerability we face with with friends. Where And, and so uh, I, I tell the story how when I was in freshman high school. I was super shy, super quiet. And it was because it felt really risky, right? You, and it feels like every social interaction, you don't know what's going to blow up on you. You don't, especially when you're young, you're so insecure. Everything feels so dangerous. Um, and so I was just real quiet and shy. But then when I got cast in a play, and so I, now I'm in drama. And what happened for me was this idea like, I can pretend to be anybody. Like, mm -hmm. like today I can pretend to be a jock. Today I can pretend to be the funny guy, whatever. And, and if something goes wrong, I'm like, oh, I was just acting. Yeah. And it, like it, <laughs> that kind of sleight of hand worked for me. Yeah. And, and the truth is I just sort of learned a different set of social skills because somehow it took the risk away, right? Mm -hmm. I could experiment. And I see that with, with gaming as a really attractive piece to it. Like, I can try this again and again and again. Like you mm -hmm. said, I can respond. I, you know, I can attack this level on Super Meat Boy a hundred mm -hmm. times. Um, and it doesn't cost me anything. And eventually I'll figure it out. So I... Yeah, and I actually like to watch the replay of myself dying over and over and over <laughs> and over and over. <laughs> that was that was actually a really cool little thing that they put in there. It's just like, all right, well, we're going to actually glorify the death because <laughs> it's so catastrophic. But you know, it's it's really interesting, you know, talking about you know that escapism. Yeah, how great would it be? And you were mentioning, you know, your wife. How great would it be to be able to walk up to somebody in real life and see their stats? Yeah, uh, you know, and we talked about this the other day, the RBF. The resting, yes. the resting <laughs> face that that some people have, and that's not that's not how they feel inside. It's just mm -hmm. that's kind of the persona that you get. That's the visual language that they're the information they're providing you because you don't have a stat screen, but inside they're happy. Yeah. If you ever you know? want to see how this works out, I think there was a Black Mirror episode where uh, this same thing happened, where there's like rating, and you can see it's it's, it's a fascinating <laughs> like yeah. it's a fascinating study. It's uh, um, awesome. Be careful what you wish for. Is yes. all I'm going to say. Yes. All right. And is, I think I remember that that character like she's starting to get three she's, and four stars, and yeah. it's just terrifying. You're yeah. Like what am I doing? Yeah. Right. And it's all this this instant feedback on her was not positive. So this is a show. Uh, yes. Black Mirror is kind yeah. of like a Twilight Zone. So this is a specific show. episode that deals with um, social ratings. Like oh, if no we way. interacted, I could downvote you or upvote you. In real life, right, right there live. Yeah. What you can do with society is based on your rating. And so every interaction gives an opportunity to rate. And she just starts at five star and just gets downvoted into like oblivion. You guys have been talking about the coolest stuff, the games that you play, the shows that you watch. I'm swimming in the wrong pond. I don't know where you guys are, are getting this stuff. I, I honestly, I need to come up rare because <laughs> I'm, I'm missing out on a lot of stuff. But here I think I'm, I'm really just awesome because I've I played, you know, Star Wars Squadrons. And you guys are riffing on so many oh, other things. Amazing. God, I really need to open my world. Jeez. Yeah, let me, let me add another component to, that, I, that I mentioned this summer here is, uh, is diversity. And so, uh, so I, I, I'm going to use that word not in the sort of political sense, but in just the the, the, the meaningful sense. Like, 
this is true in certainly, certainly social media, and we talk about the algorithms that have a tendency to just collect homogenous groups together because, so like, it automatically brings me to people who like what I like, and so we're all the same, yeah. right? And, and even people don't do that on purpose. It just sort of happens behind the scenes. You don't even know what happens. But I think that, that all virtual worlds have that same temptation. It's like the, the idea of, I'm, I'm going to find the people who play Call of Duty like me, right? And, and I, like, I'm trying to get the experience I want. And if, if you're on the same page, great. But if you're not gone, like, and, and I think we have to be, be deliberate to say, like, I, I want to know and interact with people who are not like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means socioeconomic. That means gender. That means politics. It means everything. And, uh, and honestly, that always is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Because the the moment one of my assumptions gets questioned or I hear another opinion, there's that part of me that's like, right. It's a confirmation bias kicks in, um, and uh, and so let me ask this: like, I think that's a pretty easy thing, and frankly, a safe thing to say. Like, diversity is valuable for its own sake, right? Um, why is it so? Why is it a challenge? Like, what what is that? What is the pushback? And 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 how do games as developers or as players, I guess. Um, Enforce, reinforce. Just, I'm just curious. This idea. I think anything new is scary, you know. And so when you when you add in a new piece, a new element um, that that breaks something familiar or or a rule or something that's a known quantity, you know, like risk. Uh, it's it's always a little scary because you just don't know what you don't know. Um, again, you know, because because brand and I have been around in the industry for for a long time and so there are things that I can look back on and and see these these milestones of of when the industry turned a corner um and once graphic processors and stuff started to get up to uh, a place and games started to get a little bit more immersive by way of narrative and story again that's where we started to see a big influx of of female developers and talents and creatives starting to come in the industry because now they can start to really realize whereas guys were for the most part satisfied with you know pixels and blocks and you know whatever yeah um but but anyways so it's just like that diversity was amazing and all of a sudden because of this 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 kind of female perspective you know this this depth and this breadth that they that they brought I'm not saying that that guys don't have that it's just a different shade and so that kind of that kind of mixed with what was known and elevated it i guess you might say it's just like putting a new sauce in a dish and all of a sudden, it just it, it elevates. It's like putting salt salt on something. Yeah, you know, meat tastes great by itself, but then you sprinkle a little salt, and you're like, "What? It's a new new experience." Yeah, the deal. <laughs> that's a that's what I feel like the industry's had at at times because of the diversity mm-hmm. that has been brought in to it. So, it's 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 very important, but you have to you have to take risk. And is there a link in here with Gamergate? I'm just curious how you guys. Uh, this is now a couple years old. Gamergate. But- you really don't read anything. So, <laughs> yeah. I, want to, I want to say two, three years ago, yeah. was that, it was sort of uh-huh. like the Me Too version in gaming, yes. right? And so, uh, and so there was there was some charges of uh, uh, harassment, this kind of thing. And so it was all this. Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is this connected at all or not? I mean, I I would say there has been i mean can you remember like it when samus takes the helmet off in metroid it's it's, oh, a, it's a girl like so yeah. like there was always probably diversity in genders playing they just weren't represented well like yeah. they weren't marketed yeah. to and they you know what i mean like Laura croft tomb raider yeah mm-hmm. I mean, they were exploited 
Yeah. yeah. Is, is really what it came down to. And they were, they were unfortunately just broken stereotypes. Right. You know, and, and that I think, that I think turned off a lot of the diversity, a lot of the females mm. that wanted to get into this, this fraternity as it was seen, this boys club. Mm. Yeah. Um, because things were so exploited in a sense and, and so misogynistic to some degree. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that we've turned a corner in a sense and that we've, we've grown up and we've become more inclusive, but there's still certain systemic things that, you know. Yeah. I don't think it was like any kind of virtue that changed that lane. It was more like, Hey, we can exploit and monetize this entire <laughs> industry. Yes. Like, yes. Demographics? That's what really changed it. It yes. wasn't out of like, oh, we should stop exploiting. It's like, no, how can we can make more money? Here yeah. I am thinking you're being cynical, but God, that's so true. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. it's pretty well, spot on. But it's right? a wider market. <laughs> I got this buddy, uh, Joel Newton, I'm sure you guys have a good chance. He he was talking about in the Christian space this idea of how many people have learned how to just monetize sheep. Oh you know, wow. and it's and it's like you hear that word, you're like, oh my gosh. Like it, that, that is just as so crystal clear. Like, yep. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually the movie studios, they built faith based small studios to make faith based to films. monetize the sheep. Yep. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it like three or four of the big ones are like all of a sudden they just popped up out of nowhere. What is this? This is Sony faith. What? Mm-hmm. Like That's what? That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it was, it is. It's, it's a trick. Cause on the one hand, like the idea that, I might want a product that suits whatever my taste and whatever. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I'm not, I'm not sure where the line is between providing a product that people want and exploiting a mark. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it's, you sort of know it when you see it. Well, you I, know? what I thought was funny, that series, The Chosen, yeah. that's out mm-hmm. right now. I, I love that one thing where, where Jesus turns the water to wine and then Simon walks up to him and says, hey, this is a good business thing that we can get going on. <laughs> now, I don't know how biblically correct and yeah. accurate that is. There's some serious interpretation, but that's hilarious. Very and you know that, that Peter's on. already looking at the angle. Yeah, it's like, yeah, hey, yeah. Jesus, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Why don't you dangle your fingers over uh, over this well here and you know, we'll charge people, you know, yeah. as, as they come in. So, yeah, that's funny. The, uh, so I'm going to probably close the loop here, but we'll see where it goes. Is um, I think that one of the things we want to bring to this conversation is is a lens that says, okay, as as citizens of heaven, as eternal creatures, how do we see this question that's differently than we might see it as temporal earthly creatures, right? And so I think this question of diversity is intriguing because it's really easy for, this is probably no more easy in the church anywhere else, but it is easy to think that Jesus had blonde hair. Um, it's just easy for us in, in kind of modern America to, to, to really westernize him. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, I mean, I don't know how many paintings I've He's seen of him like that. Exactly. <laughs> right? um, but instead to, to think about, no, right. There's every tongue and tribe, every nation, every right. people group. There's no Jew. There's no Greek. There's no, like the idea of like equality mm. really, uh, you know, 2000 years ago was, was a really profound, like, rev, like, wow, you're doing something really radically different. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and it, it, it's, it, we, we come and go with that. I think that whole idea is just depending on the day of the, the, the year you're in, people are more or less intrigued by that idea. But in heaven, like you think about how diverse it would be. Like it just, you got to see it that way. And uh, it's a, it is a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much different lens. It, we, get, we get some of that in the, in the regular like news and the world, always kind of bringing it up, complaining about it. But it's, there's a huge push in our modern society to to lean towards diversity, to include people. And like, that's 
completely different than the rest of history. Like, we're in the new era because that's new. So all that comes from what God was talking about. Hey, all people are equal. So the fact that that's already there and how we see that in gaming is gaming has really had a shift in the representation of individuals. Like, from the exploitive days, you know, back in the 90s, before even, where we're starting to get more clear visuals, like, we had the stereotypes galore and that was all over the place. And now we've moved on and we're like, wow, we have main characters that are, you know, very diverse from different cultural backgrounds. And, and, and that was also development from a bunch of cultures around the world, too. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a new area for, for gaming. We'll see where that goes. Was but it, how was, do we... Yeah. Uh, Weren't we you telling me about the, uh, the, the illusion? Uh, there was a game that was developed fairly recently. I'm trying to remember where I saw this story. And it was, it was a bunch of Aleutian Islanders who created their own game that really explored the mm. kind of that whole question. What's Aleutian? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Eskimos. <laughs> Eskimos, yeah. I'm always yeah. asking questions. Yeah. Uh, or Inuit, I guess, is also <laughs> a, is probably the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I remember hearing about, like, they... I love this idea of sort of, like, local uh, games that explore different cultures, different different mm-hmm. stories. You've got the Polynesian thing going on in, uh, in Echo Dawn. Like, uh, I had a guy call me. Uh, he, was, he was basically thinking he's got all these people in refugee camps like Syrian refugees who they're stuck they got nowhere to go but the UN has given them computers and internet apparently mm. so it's like could these guys develop games I'm like uh yeah probably be good right they've got access to all the training like it's all wow. free wow. and so like that would actually be fantastic you know to I don't know what that would look like but, yeah. but man go with God oh <laughs> no awesome. that that is actually really kind of cool, cool idea yeah wow. so I really like that that That's concept inspiring. so so we'll, we'll set this here. I think I'll, let me put a pin in this. We can continue to talk about it in length, but uh, we're going to keep some of these sessions a little bit short for introductions. Um, and so thank you for this. This was the topic on uh, connection over isolation. Uh, or was this the one over diversity? <laughs> I think they're the same <laughs> it, it kind of, yeah, yeah, it kind of yeah. worked. But. So, uh, so thanks for that, and, uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining us. This and our other content is an effort to rediscover a robust theology of creativity and innovation as we pursue our desire to live well as the warriors and poets that God made us all to be. To learn more, check out somasoulworks.com.